Games podcast for oh god it's the first week of March it's ridiculous uh, it can't be the first week of March but it is sorry uh, I'm old and when you're old time flies I'm your host Brandon Kikowski Schnell uh, with me I'm very excited one of my uh, most favorite uh, people in the world uh, you would have read her stuff uh, at uh, Wired Game Life you read her stuff when she was uh, editor at the Escapist you read her stuff when she was managing editor at Joystick you will read her stuff when she uh, takes on the role of managing editor at Games Radar Plus, but we are here to talk about uh, mostly um, her role as co-founder of Take This. Uh, please welcome to the show the fantastically talented uh, Susan Arndt. Hello, 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 hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's such a pleasure. Um, so it seemed like from what I could tell, I was not at PAX East uh, this past weekend, but from what I could tell uh, from my Twitter feed and from the, the tweets of support coming out, it sounded like Take This had a really fantastic uh, uh, convention this year. We did. We did. It was actually um, the first anniversary of the AFK room, which mm-hmm. we did for the very first time at PAX East in 2014. So it was it was really emotional for us to see how far the organization has come in a year span uh, and how much we've learned and how many opportunities we've had to help people, which is really great. uh, And uh, all the the different things that we've been able to do. So yeah, it it went really, really well for us. We were, uh, we were pretty jazzed. Yeah. Now for people who don't know, I don't know why they wouldn't, but so take this was founded in 2012 um, after the unfortunate uh, suicide of a colleague. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is, it is, uh, well, why don't you, you describe it because I'm not going to be able to do it justice. (laughs) Uh, sure. Okay. So, uh, take this is a uh, nonprofit that's dedicated to increasing uh, awareness, education, and especially empathy for mental health issues within the gaming community. Now, that's both gamers and game developers. So, we go right. out to shows like PAX to try to encourage people to talk about mental health issues, to learn more about them, because there's so many misconceptions and so much misunderstanding about it. And that's a big part of what makes people really reluctant to talk about it and reluctant to seek treatment. Uh, it's still, there's a huge stigma associated with, right, with mental health. Absolutely. So we, you know, we go out to PAX, uh, um, in the, uh, according to a Harvard study from 2010, I believe one in four people, in the general population, has a mental health issue of some sort. Now, that's everything from your garden variety anxiety all the way up to the, the more serious stuff because there's, there's a spectrum of mental health, just like there's a spectrum of physical health. Uh, amongst the gamer, nerd, geek community, uh, anecdotally, we find it's more like half. Right. But uh, we also find that folks within our community are even more reluctant to talk about it because it's just one more thing to set them apart. You know, we're we're so used to being looked at kind of, you know, getting kind of side eye because of all our hobbies and what we're into. And so to add one more thing that, that makes us different or strange or, or whatever, um, makes people even more self-conscious and less likely to talk about it. So we, we go out to shows like PAX to say, okay, first of all, you're not alone. Super common. That thing you, that's happening in your head, those feelings you have that you are sure you're the only person who's like, nope, we, we right. get it. So many people have been there. They understand. And we just encourage people to talk about it. And we also teach them how to talk about it. Because if you don't know, it makes it even harder. And right. so it's like, how do you explain to your friends, okay, I have depression, but that doesn't mean I'm sad all the time. Right, exactly. Right? exactly. Like, you right. know, I would love to come with you to the movies, but I'm having a really bad anxiety day, and I right. don't feel like I can leave the house. Right. You know, catch me next right. time. And, and the flip side of that is we teach folks who don't have mental health issues, but who have loved ones or friends that do, how they can be supportive, how they can be really great friends, what kinds of things they can say, what kinds of things they should say. And just, right. to, you know, to, to increase... Uh, and facilitate communication so that everybody gets better and can live happier lives and have better times at, at things like PACs. Right. 
Right, because I mean, gaming, and, and I mean, not just playing games, but writing about games, especially if you're a freelancer. I mean, it's such a solitary. It can be it such can a be, solitary yes. pastime, mm-hmm. and so it's so easy. One, I think a lot of, and I know myself included, use games as an escape when things are going poorly. Absolutely. And so the tendency there is to kind of sink into that even further. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're if you're into book clubs, you know, there's a, not to say that you know you can't have mental health issues and be into books, but you know, there's so many social. Uh, hobbies that you know that um, I think that being more solitary it's so much easier to kind of sink into problems and not just and then it gets to the point where I've had this so long it's been such a weight on me I don't even know how to begin absolutely absolutely Uh, all of that is super super common and we've you know everybody in in, on the board uh and uh, has been there we get it um that's why we have on our website takethis.org we have stories from gamers who have had those feelings who have been through that they're like dude i get it (laughs) i totally i know them feels and uh, and and they share their stories about how they handled it how they're still handling it uh and just let people know that it is something that you can deal with, that you can handle, you know, taking first right. steps. First step is, is admitting like, hey, maybe something's not quite right. Right, right. And, right. And, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, 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 you. I, I was going to say it's, it's odd because now I think more than ever before, um, there, there's so much more visibility into mental illness, but there's still so much none of that visibility. I don't feel like has given us any greater understanding yeah. as to what it actually means, because, you know, like you said, you know, oh, you're depressed. Well, that just means you're sad. Or that's the lady on TV who has the gray sweatpants on until she takes this pill and then she feels better. Right. Oh, you're, you're feeling anxious. Oh, I get that way. I don't like flying. So I take a Xanax. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, I mean, those are, like you said, it's a spectrum. And I think that, you know, we have a tendency to just kind of go, oh yeah, I know what that is. And it's like, well, you, you don't actually know what that is. And that's fine because until you, you, you know, you experience it firsthand or have a loved one that's going through Mm -hmm. it, you're really not going to know. But, you know, it's just sad that we have such a, like a greater visibility. Like I remember when I was a kid growing up, it was like, you know, you never talked about mental illness. Oh no, 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 no. Um, um, and now, you know, people are more comfortable talking about it, but it's still something that, you know, like, I don't know if you listen to Maria Banford, the comic. Oh, sure. I love her. You know, she has the bit about how if we treated mental illness like regular mm-hmm. illness and the one guy's like, oh, you can't see well, you just have to want it. Yep, you know, yep, like, yep, yep. You know, oh, you just have to want to feel better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, that's one of, one of the examples I use is like you go on, you know, in the wintertime, go on Facebook. You will have people going off about the flu and how much phlegm mm-hmm. is coming out of their bodies and how, you know, how physically sick they are. People are super happy to talk about that. If you right. post one thing about, Oh my God, I had a panic attack today. And right. yeah, then it's, you can, you can almost see people like physically backing away from you because right. it makes them uncomfortable and they don't know right. how to respond to it. That doesn't make people jerks by the way. No, it doesn't. It just, it's just, I think part of it too is, I mean, I think the language that we sure. use around yeah. it, like when you say like someone's depressed, like we've kind of, you know, my wife and I were talking about this and I said, people use depressed at times like they use the word love. Mm-hmm. Like somebody would say, I'm depressed. Well, you're not depressed. You're kind of bummed out as to like maybe you may not have gotten the promotion that you wanted or, right. you know, whatever. Like, like who knows? You're not depressed. Just like if you say, well, I love these shoes. Well, you don't actually love those shoes. Right. Like we've, you know, we, we've kind of taken the language of, of some of these, um, these illnesses and we've co-opted them to the point where they don't mean anything. So it makes it a lot harder to understand, you know, what folks are going through when they actually have these, these illnesses. Well, it's even, it's even more complicated because uh, transitory depression is something everyone goes through at some point right. in your life. It's a completely normal thing. It's, you know, when you suffer the loss of a loved one, you lose your job. I mean, depression is a normal aspect of life and transitory depression Something happens, you have, you know, you are genuinely depressed for a while, and then you work through it and you go back to your normal self. It goes away. And right. so when, when, a lot of times when folks encounter somebody who has non-transitory depression, clinical depression, they go, oh, but, but it just goes away eventually. Right, right. Because that is their context and that is their right. understanding. And that's not the case. So that's one of the things we try to do with Take This is give people the language to help others explain. Because the thing is, most folks really do want to understand. But right. they don't because they've never gone through it. 
and they don't have any kind of frame of reference for what you're talking about. So right. to, to try and explain to people, you, you need to, well, one, you need to be patient. Two, you need to understand that they're doing, they're doing their best to try and meet you halfway. Right. right. But you're going to, you're going to have to do most of the heavy lifting to explain right. what's going on because they're right. like, uh, what? So, uh, that's, that's a, that's a big part of what I'm particularly passionate about because I mean, obviously as, someone who writes for a living and edits for a living communications kind of important. Yeah. To me. It's <laughs> kind of my thing. <laughs> Having been on the other end of those. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, it, it totally is. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was, what was the worst edit I ever gave you? Or not worse, but what was the most like, I remember when I wrote for you for the escapist and I didn't, uh, I didn't have track changes turned oh on or God. something. And you were like, what the fuck? And I was like, Oh my God, she's going to kill me. <laughs> and it's because I didn't see what you had been yeah. like, what you had been. I had t- taken feedback from like a conversation that you and I had had, not from the actual track changes. So when I said, I felt great. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm doing everything she wants. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> And not like mean, but just very, like one of the things I've always respected about you because I wish I could be like this is how direct you are in terms of and it's not mean and it's not like you're not punitive. Yeah. It's just, hey, this is a thing that has to happen right now. Yeah. So let's just cut the bullshit and just get to yeah. it. Yeah, I, I really I really wish I could be like that because it's, you know, well, anyway, it's, it's, it's effective, but it uh, it tends to scare the crap out of people a lot. Yeah, but, but it, yeah, yeah, but once you get to know, well, well, I think once you understand that uh, I don't, I'm not being mean. I'm, I don't right. have an agenda. I really am just trying to make things better. Then I, it, it's like, oh, all right. Well, we're just, you know, it's just going to be a little more direct than perhaps you. Yeah, but it saves time. It does. I mean, it totally. Like my wife's the same way. I mean, my wife, she's like, it's funny because when we first, if I can go on an aside, when we first started dating, she would hold everything in. And then I would do one small thing and I would hear like, okay, and then you did this and then you did this and then you did that. And so I said to her, you, you can't do that. Like, I'm an idiot. I know that. Like, I'm a 19-year-old boy. I'm as dumb as they come. <laughs> so you just have to tell me when I'm doing something stupid so I can stop being stupid. I kind of regret saying that because <laughs> – Yeah, but, but how yeah, long Absolutely. Uh uh, it'll be twenty uh, a long time. It'll be twenty years, not this year, next exactly. year. Twenty twenty four years together this year. Twenty twenty uh, nineteen years married. And so yeah, go. yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so getting back to take yeah. this, one of the things that I really um, I, I think is really awesome that you guys do, and you mentioned it was that the AFK. Room. Yeah, yeah. Because because for somebody who has um, you know social anxiety or or just really any kind of anxiety, you know large numbers of people can be overwhelmed. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, the AFK room. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, the AFK room is a room that we have uh, at all PAXs, and we're taking it to PAX Australia, and we will also be taking it to QuakeCon this year. Um, it's a safe, quiet space uh, where. You can come, and if you just need to chill out for a few minutes, you can. Uh, if, because the thing is, even if you don't have mental health issues, even if you are, you know, perfectly fine in the brain box, a con can be very overwhelming because you're dealing yes. with tens of thousands of people. You cannot escape them, especially like in, in, for Boston this past weekend. It was really cold outside. So right. it wasn't even convenient to just be like, you know what, I'm going to go outside for 10 minutes. You couldn't. And then there was, right. you know, a really huge line to check your coat. And so it, and the heat was turned up because it was cold out there. So it was hot. You're physically uncomfortable. You're not eating right. You're not sleeping much. There's so much to do. And then as I explain it to, uh, we, we train the enforcers before every pack to let them know what to look for. Um, there's also what I call everything is awesome syndrome. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Which is your desire to see and do everything. Yeah. But one, you can't. You you literally cannot do everything at the show because there's stuff scheduled against each other. So and you, you cannot clone yourself. Uh, and, and two, your energy reserves are going to run down. It is going to yes. be perfectly natural to be like, I really just want to go back to the hotel and put on my yoga pants and watch TV. Right. But then you're like, but I can't because PAX is only once a year and I have to be having fun at all times. And if I don't, then I'm doing it wrong. 
Right. And there's very much this push-pull in your brain to do everything but then also take care of yourself. And that can be very, very stressful. So we have the AFK room, which is a place where you can just go and not be in line for something. No one is talking to you. You don't have to talk to anyone. You don't have to be doing anything. You can just exist, Mm -hmm. which is something you don't really get to do much at 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 a con. Right, right. Now, now, do you find the people that that make use of the room? Is it is it predominantly folks that just kind of want to sit there in their own space? Yes. Is it people who want to talk to other people, even quietly, or just to say, "Hey, I'm having a hard time. Can you kind of help me out?" The or? vast majority of people who come to the AFK room really just need to unplug for you know mm-hmm. ten minutes, a half hour, just not be in that crowd, not be you know getting all that stimulation. And then they just kind of chill and they regain their calm and they reset their meter and they go back out and they enjoy the show. It's the vast right. majority of them. Um, right. But what makes the AFK room different from quiet rooms at other cons is we have mental health clinicians on staff at all times. So mm. that if somebody does need extra help, it is there for them. Right. And and we do uh, at every show, there are folks who, who do need extra help um, because even if, if the, if the show itself isn't the problem, the stress of the show can set off other problems. Sure. Uh, sure. You know, things that are issues at home, uh, right, you know, or, right. or whatever's going on in their lives. Uh, so we've, we, we've dealt with all sorts of things. We don't dispense therapy because that would not be right. appropriate. Uh, but what we do is our clinicians can help people use the resources they have uh, to sort of regain their calm and, and, and refocus and either get to a place where they are calm enough to go back out and enjoy the show or, to where they are calm enough to go seek help uh, right, if, it's, right. if it's a more immediate need. Um, we had one girl at PAX Prime who uh, was planning to throw herself over the balcony of the third Ooh. floor. Wow. Yeah. Um, her friend who was with her uh, fortunately knew the AFK room existed, managed to persuade her friend to come talk to someone, uh, uh-huh. which she did, and it got – escalated to the point where we could get her the help she needed and she went to the hospital and she was released and she was okay. Um, mm-hmm. So it, we, we can serve both ends of that spectrum. Right, right. Now you said you train enforcers. What are you training them on? We are training enforcers to know what the AFK room is. Uh-huh. To understand like it's not a place for people to come take a nap. Right, you know, right. It's also not the timeout room. This is not where you send the person who's behaving badly in the queue line. Right, right. Because the, the first year, uh, the first time we did the AFK room, nobody got it. Like, nobody right. understood. Even uh, Robert Koo, who uh, has been a, a huge advocate for us at Penny Arcade, mm-hmm. the first year he was like, I don't get it. Whatever. I'll give you the space. Fine. Right. And then he actually saw it in action and was like, oh, now I get it. And, and right. a, a huge, huge, huge uh um, advocate for us ever since. So what we do is we train enforcers not only to understand what the room is for, but to understand how different conditions can manifest mm-hmm. in a con. Like when you certain behaviors, if you see someone who can't make eye contact, when you see someone who is who seems like they've just had like five espressos on top of each other, when you right. have someone who is listening to listening to instructions, these can be because of mental health issues. Sometimes right. it's just because a person's an asshole. Right, right. But it's important to know the kinds of things to look for so that you can get someone the appropriate level of help. One of the things we always say is like, you know how to help somebody who's broken their leg. Right. And also someone who's broken their leg is probably going to look for help. Right? right? Like they're going to be like, hey, where's the Red Cross? You know? Right, right. Someone who is maybe about to have a panic attack because of the show floor is maybe not, not only not willing, but not able. Yeah, but not capable. Like f- one thing that, that folks um, don't understand uh, about certain conditions is that they rob you of your ability to handle it, right? right. Like to take care of yourself. Uh, sometimes you can be like, okay, I know what's coming. I need help. And you can go get the help you need before it gets really, really bad. And then sometimes it just happens. Right, right. And you're like, well, shit. Right, right, right. Now, do you find that people who like, um, 
do you find a lot of situations where enforcers kind of have to say, not say like, but basically just say, Hey, this room's available. If you're having a hard time, do you, do you find that like you're getting a, a, a fair amount of traffic from that? Or is it, are they basically being trained just to kind of in the event that they spot somebody, they, they know what to do. But for the most part, folks are coming uh, on their own. Most folks are, are coming on their own. Um, the enforcers are also, we also train them to look for signs of stress in each other. Because they, it, we kind of forget as as everybody who attends the show how much the enforcers are doing. Right, right. They're exhausted. They're not eating right. They are dealing with people all day long. They have responsibilities, and so uh, you know, and and it can be a super super stressful thing. I we had an incident with one enforcer at at Pax East, who um it, for Pax East, uh, 140 enforcers didn't show up. Wow. Because of weather. Because of the because weather. Of weather yeah. Right. They just couldn't get there. And uh, so they were they were super, super stressed out and spread very, very thin. And we had one enforcer who just snapped. He just snapped and and he yelled and, and he later like he apologized. And of course, was like, I was just being a complete jerk. Um, mm hmm. But yeah, that's the kind of thing, like watch each other, you know, like there's, there's right, a right. scene in the abyss, like watch each other for scenes of of pressure sickness. Right, right. And that's, that's exactly what it is. Right, right. Um, but no, what's, what's really, really great is that like the first AFK room we did, we were, it, it was very much a, if someone didn't walk by the door and take the time to read the sign, they had no clue what was going on. Right. But since then, um, we're in the guidebook, we're in the program, we have a full, we're on the back of the badge. Uh, there's a full description of what the room is. Um, people talk about it in the PAX forums. Uh, there's been threads on Reddit. So now people know that this thing exists and it's a resource for them. So they tend to come on their own and you'll see people just walk by like, oh, there's the AFK room. OK, great. Right, right. Well, Mike and Jerry, they've both been very candid about their own um you know, their own uh, dealing with uh, anxiety mm -hmm. and stuff. So I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, that, that's got to help some knowing that, hey, the two guys that put this on, like they might make use of a room like this. Oh, sure. and, and we had a, uh, a a very, very well-known game developer who I will not say the name because of, you know, that, sure, that's on them to say that we're in there. Not it's not my right. Um, but, yeah, it's someone you would recognize on site uh, within yeah. there. And they just they needed it. Right, needed to be right. in there for a while and not have people coming up and wanting to talk and all that. And it what was really great was not only that they felt comfortable using the the room, but also that everybody in there respected their space. Right. That right. was that was really really great. Like they got it. They're like, okay, you're right. Needs to chill. Not a problem. Do right. your thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, having. I mean, I've never been to PAX. I mean, honestly, the scale of it, I think. To, to me is very off-putting like um but i've been to plenty of e3s and, and oh, by Jesus, the end of yeah. i mean by the end of e3 like i feel like for myself and you know i've talked to my wife about this too so that way you know like you said married a long time like i feel like i start the day off and i have a certain amount of human interaction yep. like i have a tank filled with human interaction <laughs> and and as the day goes on it it diminishes and when it's empty it's empty. Yep. And I mean, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm not trying to be an asshole. I just, I simply, I just can't do yeah, it. Yeah. And, and E3, man, those tanks get drained so quick. They do. And we would, you know, we would go out to dinner, especially by the last day, because Bill would always be like, why are you so upset? And I'm like, I'm not upset. I just, I got nothing left. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I mean, I can't imagine what that would be like. I mean, E3 is so scheduled. There's not that tendency of, oh, I, I want to try to see this and do this and do that because right. half the appointments you go to suck anyway. So, uh, and it's also, you know, it's something like a pack. Yeah, it's it'd be much different. E3 is a little different because it, it has different stressors because in e, at yeah. E3 you have appointments, but then you have time writing. And that time right. writing is it, it, when you're in the press room, the press room is quiet. Uh, right. No one is talking to you because they understand that you need to be in your own head. So that can kind of help defuse that. See, a I little never bit. use the press oh, room at all. You gotta use, no, not like you gotta use the, the super secret press room. Not, not the, not the big one where they serve lunch. You gotta, no, you know, my super secret press room for real was uh, Bethesda's booth. Oh, nice. Because they would always have a huge booth. 
Yeah. And we would all, I would always end up with appointments like later in the afternoon Mm -hmm. and I could just find a spot to sit down. Occasionally they had lemon squares uh, and I could just, and just, (laughs) so yeah. So it was always like, we would always fight over who got to go to Bethesda, not because of like what they're, who, what are they showing? Who cares? They have a nice booth. We can sit. Yes. (laughs) I always tell people if you want uh, your E3 coverage to go better, give us cookies. Yeah. Have a nice carpet because our feet hurt, and yeah. and let us sit down in a real chair, yeah. and then we'll be yeah. like, all of the Bethesda games are wonderful. <laughs> That's right, yeah. The guys I'm still, game. I'm still upset about. It. I'm legitimately still upset over Prey Two because that oh, shit was yeah. the bomb. It looked, it looked really cool. I wouldn't have called it Prey Two. I would have called it something. No, else. yeah, yeah, me but too. But that yeah. game looked sweet. I mean, I, visually, it looked sweet. The demo they showed yeah. us was too orchestrated like yeah. i didn't understand how that would actually work in the actual game but man i loved the premise and i thought it was gorgeous yeah absolutely um absolutely well it's funny because at e3 i don't they target used to have this lounge where you could like get cookies oh, that's or true. target water i used to use that all the time yeah it just take just take a few minutes and just be like i'm gonna eat these cookies and and uh and just hopefully you know and just take a minute to regain yeah but that, my sanity. But that's the. I mean that. But uh, so it's at E3. You have the pressure of this is work, right? Right. But yeah. At PAX or 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 a Comic Con or something like that. It's you're trying to do fun things with your friends. You're trying to have as much fun as you possibly can because this is fun. Right. And fun is such an amorphous concept. Right. right. Yeah. Especially because you're like, I paid money for this. I paid yep. money to travel. If I am not having as much fun, if I'm not having this arbitrary amount of fun that I feel like I should be having, mm-hmm. then it just becomes stressful. Exactly. It it really, really does. And that's a completely normal reaction. And people don't realize people who don't um, think about their mental health a lot. And most people don't have to because it's just it's just, it's kind of something you take for granted, very much like right. physical health. You, you know, you take it for granted until you're sick. Um don't realize that that's what they're feeling. They just know they feel stressed out, but they don't right. really understand why. And because they don't understand why, they can't take care of it properly. Um, right. it, sometimes even if you do understand why you can't take care of it properly. Uh, like I uh, – okay, so I, I have I, – I shared this in the, uh, the Take This panel that we did. Um, I have PTSD mm-hmm. associated with uh, a trauma that had to do with a gaming convention. Mm-hmm. And so, like, PAX is basically a three-day trigger for me. It's just, right. you know, uh, so at the last, for the, basically the last year, a- after, on the, on the last day of every PAX, once my last, you know, I finish my last panel or whatever my last responsibility is, and I don't mm-hmm. have to be responsible for anything more, I have a complete meltdown. I, right. I can't function. I can't look at anyone. I can't talk to anyone. I can't stop crying. Like, I, I just, I, I can't move. Wherever I end up when this thing starts, I, I am there because I cannot move. And every single time, my husband has had to take care of me. Like at, the, at PAX South, he had to, you know, he, he got me a hamburger because, of course, I wasn't eating. Right, so right. So he got a hamburger and he had, to, he had to cut it into little pieces so I understood what to do. Right, right. Like, okay, so I need to eat. The, okay, I couldn't look at him. Could right. say like maybe five words. Um, but so at this show, I was very much more conscious of, okay. <laughs> Right, I, right. I have a limit of how much right. I can be here, and then I need to not. Right, right. And so, yeah, so this was the first PAX in a very long time that I didn't have a meltdown, and I came out feeling great, and it was just a really that's, positive experience for me. Um, that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I felt really, really great about it. I was like, hey, I didn't have a huge embarrassing meltdown. That's pretty great. Right, right. And he didn't have to take care of me, which is which is also pretty great. Right. But you have to be aware of your limits like you know having a certain amount of bucket for human interaction right perfectly legit right and you just got to know that about yourself and be like you know what i've met my limit i would very much like to spend time with you right but i'm tapped out goodbye (laughs) right right exactly right yeah uh now you said that you're so you're going to pax australia uh and then you're going to quakecon do you have um is this uh are, are you primarily focused on um, like PAX and PAX esque type of conventions? Like, if the, if if E3 came to you and said, "Hey, we would love to have something like this set up," uh, would you would you be willing to do something like in that? Or are you focusing in a heartbeat? Okay. We actually we very much wanted to have an AFK room at GDC. GDC wasn't interested. Really? G- That's surprising. the person we spoke to doesn't get it. Says 
This uh-huh. is not a developer issue. It's a consumer issue. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which is wrong. I mean, there's just no other. Yeah, because overworking people to death, that never causes any sort of mental health issues. Yeah. It's, um, it's, this is the thing. Like, we, there's two camps, um, in, in the game development community when it comes to mental health issues. The one camp is like, yep, absolutely. Yep. Totally. Get it. But we're not, it makes us uncomfortable to talk about it because we feel like if we do, that threatens our job. Yeah, and which is sad. Which but is sad, but like you can totally see where they're coming from. And then there's the other camp who's just flat out like, nope, this isn't a problem. This doesn't exist. And um, and and I I just kind of look at them and say, are, are you being willfully blind? I don't. Right. Like, how can you? Right. Yeah. Um, because even if it's not happening to you, right? I, I, it, it is. It is not at all inconceivable based on. The, the the high pressure triple uh, A development and even smaller companies that that people would have issues dealing with that level of stress of and, and all the time. Of course, absolutely. I, the thing is, like at at some point in game development, it became like this badge of honor to yes. be in crunch or to. Uh, uh, I, I've been in software development for almost 20 years now, and, and oh, the heroes. Yeah. Fuck heroes. You know what? Fuck heroes. Yeah. Figure out how to do a goddamn development plan and stick to it so that people don't have to be heroes. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, it's it, it's not cool to be sleeping under your desk so you, that you right. hit your ship date. Like, that's not healthy. That's not right. good. And and But it, it's become like this... Well, that person's dedicated, you know, and, and right, the yes. folks who are like, no, I need to go home and sleep in a bed and be with my family and not be thinking about this for a while. Oh, right. well, you're not you're not really committed to this. Project, right. Exactly. Yes. Which is complete bullshit. Like, no, I just want to do good work. And to do that, I need to take care of myself. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, of course, there's the, the cachet of like, oh, well, now, you know, I, now that now I am a developer, now I am, you know, a QA or whatever. And it's like, you know, you don't want to run the risk of potentially losing, especially exactly. if this is something you've been working to for for so long, just because, you know, you don't want to be the first person to go home. Right. I, I, right. Yeah. No, right. I've been there. I have. I. Yeah. I've been there so many times. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so and, many and times. And it sucks. This is why we want to. To, so we thought, like, okay, well, then we'll talk to the folks running the studios because your folks, your team isn't going to want to be the first ones home. They're going to be scared to say, I need to take care of myself. So you need to empower them to be able to do that. You need, you need to make them understand that it's okay, right? But then right. that puts them in the position of saying, I'm doing things harmful to my staff. Right, right, because I don't want to they, admit that they knew. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very difficult in the game development community. We have uh, – indie developers who come up to us constantly and they and they talk about it and because they are a smaller team and it's often just one person it's much easier to have that conversation with them like you sure. need to you know recharge yourself and you need to do practice self-care and all these things um it's more of an uphill battle with uh larger devs for sure yeah and i i can i can see yeah. that i mean i can understand that um but um but you know, you, you, all you can do, you, you hope that at some point, you know, the message gets across that look, you know, you're not, you're not doing yourself any favors, you're not doing the game any favors, right? You know, and then as a result, you're not doing your consumer or your shareholders any favors by burning these teams out right. and producing subpar work because you know you were you were driving them to death. Yeah, I, yeah, I, that's the hope. It's just. Uh... Yeah, it, it's it's disheartening because it happens. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you, you see it coming a mile away. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and to be clear, this is not solely a game development. Oh, no, I mean, no, I, a, I've never worked. Yeah. I've never worked on games. Yeah, but I've, I've certainly been I've been the guy who I, I was the guy who left because I was like, but, but even so, it was like, you know, I, I would leave going, Jesus, am I going to have a job tomorrow? Yeah, exactly. And you, you'll you'll see things online about like, here's how to get ahead. Be in before your boss and then leave after your boss. Like, right. Um, I'm not sure that's like, I understand the thought behind it. Like, you know, yeah work hard yeah but you know living at your job not good right stop telling people that it's not cool to to get be getting by on three that's the other thing it became some kind of geek code like 
Oh, I only got three hours sleep last night. Dude, that's not good. Right, that's exactly. Bad for you. I drink so much coffee. Also not oh, good yeah. for you. Right. I drink so much Red Bull. Yeah. I drink so okay. much I'm just I'm living on Red Bull and cigarettes. Not good right. for you. <laughs> right. Like that right. is just physically. Like because because people don't really understand mental health, they don't really fully comprehend, I think, a lot of the time, how much not getting enough sleep eating crappy oh, yeah. food and, and living on too much caffeine, what that does to you mentally, like they, they know what they're, they probably know what it's doing to them physically. And they're like, well, you know what? I'm 24. It's not really hurting. I'll live forever. Yeah. It's not hurting yeah. me yet. And you get that. No, it is hurting your brain. And I don't mean it's right. physically hurting your brain. I mean, it's bad for your ability to handle things emotionally. It is. Right. If you're doing it for extended periods, like, you know, if, if it's the first week a game comes out and you're up till, th- okay, we've all been there. Let's not pretend. Right. We're all going to do that. Absolutely. Right. And we've all had the day where we had the crappy day at work and we came home and ate an entire pizza. We, right. yes, that's fine. I made peanut butter and jelly muffins yesterday. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> for just that purpose. That I said to my wife, I was like, I know I'm supposed to, I'm trying to lose some weight, but if I got to make these muffins, <laughs> she's like, yes, you are. That sounds <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, like uh, you, you just do that, right? Right. But that can't be your lifestyle. Right. You ca- right. You can't. That's not sustainable. Right. Right. Yeah, and I think too. Jeez, um, oh, I forgot what I was going with this. But um, you know this the, 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 this whole notion, like you were talking about, of uh, be there before your boss and all that stuff. It's like I, you know, I. I, I hate that method of thinking in large part because of how quickly so many people just kind of buy into it for whatever reason. Either they're afraid or they just feel like this is how it's supposed to be. And then it gets so hard to to then break out of it right. because now you have so many people who just feel like, well, this is just the way that it's done. Um, oh, I remember saying like my wife and I, we made we both made a decision because, I mean, we're both in software and, and we both made a decision early on that was like, I don't want to like if if getting a promotion or getting more money means that I can't like come home at four o'clock cause I get to work at seven, mm-hmm. I can't come home at four o'clock. Then I don't want it right? because I don't, that's not, that's not the life that I want. If that means I don't get whatever, if I don't get a supervisor position, management position, whatever, that's fine. I'm willing to make that second. And she's the same way. Yeah. And we're, we're lucky in that we both, you know, feel the same way. I, th- I can't imagine what it would be like if you had a spouse or significant other that was, you know, felt like, no, no, you should be going for that. Right. Um, but yeah, because I mean, it is very much this notion that, yeah, you come in first, you leave last. And uh, well, I think it's, it's, it's also, it changes when you have a family and it's, and absolutely. it changes a lot as you get older because then you understand, uh, you have, you have a greater understanding of, a, your own mortality, because that's when you start, th- you know, having visits to the doctor that, where they're like, we really need to talk about your cholesterol. Right, you know? exactly. It's like, oh, shit, I could die, you know, that kind of thing. Right, right. Uh, you know, and that, and then also that you want to spend time doing things other than your job, even if your job is cool. Like, my job right. is awesome, and I used to do it all day, like all day, all night. I did it on weekends and it took a toll on me. And I, you know, I would drop from exhaustion because I was just working constantly. Like that, right. is that doing any good? You know? So, right, right. uh, I now for my, my teams, the teams that I manage very, very much a priority is work-life balance. When right. you're at work, I want you to kill it. I want you doing good work for me. You come in, you bring your A game or don't come in. But when you leave for the night, you leave for the night. You don't check your email, right? right? Like you go have a life. Right. And then when you come back to work the next day, then you just get ready to kill it, right? It's super, right. super important to make sure people understand that success is not equal to constantly working. Success is equal to doing good work. Right, right. And I think I, you're absolutely right. I mean, and, 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 it's so important for managers to understand. Like I, I now have somebody working, um, like I'm now in a supervisory position. I'm very mindful, like, you know, to make sure that she understands, like, Hey, if we don't have a lot going on and you're getting your stuff done, then go home. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be here just to be here. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not 
I'm not I'm not marking anything down on a sheet. I'm not keeping track of, oh, you went home early this day or that day. Like, I want you to, to do good work while you're here. Mm-hmm. And then I want you to go home and be with your family and enjoy yourself because that's what I'm doing. Right, right. And I wouldn't expect any different from you. And the thing is, when you treat your staff like they're people, right. they do better work for you because they, they feel appreciated, which is how right. it's supposed to work. You know, like right. – that's the thing. If you do good work, I will I will take a bullet for you. I will complete I will do everything I can to make sure you are happy and healthy and feel fulfilled. Just come in and do do good work every day. That's it. Right. It's a pretty right. pretty pretty easy equation. Um yep. but yeah, but in in our industry unfortunately, because so many people want to be in it and all aspects yeah. of it, whether it's game journalism, whether it's game development, whether it's PR, there's so many people who want to be a part of it that they're willing to kill themselves. They are willing to kill themselves. And that's yeah. that's why we end up with, with as many issues as we do. Because and not all managers are give a damn, honestly. Uh oh, absolutely. because they're like, whatever, I got twenty people in line behind you. If you Exactly you know, right. I don't care. Right. Which is such a yeah, I mean it's yeah, it it requires it in there's a lot of minds that need to be changed on this issue. You know, the people that are doing the work, the people that are managing the people doing the work. I mean, all the way down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's part of why uh, that's, that's a big part of what we do. Why we do what we do is is getting out and talking to people and just we've we've been told we've had people say like just literally just having folks getting up in front of an audience and saying, you know, I have anxiety, I have PTSD, I have depression. And it and acting like it's not a big whoop mm-hmm. uh, has been really really helpful for them because oh absolutely once you hear somebody else say it and you're like wait a minute right they're they're cool with it why aren't I cool with it right 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 they were able to get help and it hasn't you know it did it didn't change them they still yeah. they're still happy they still have a job they have people who love them yep all that stuff yep. yeah yep absolutely uh, well I think what you're doing is is fantastic I am. Um, I'm just overwhelmed. I think it's it's amazing work. Um I'm I'm glad that um that that you guys are doing it and um I I hope that uh you know, I wish you guys all the success in the world with it and continuing to move forward with it. I know that it's helped a lot of people. Uh, will continue um to do so. So when is the next uh when's the next AFK room? Uh I think the very next one's going to be quite con. Okay, and where is that? That's in uh, going to be in Texas in oh, July, nice. if memory serves. Mm. Uh, oh, July in Texas! I know, yeah, that isn't that great? That, That'll be awesome. That, that won't be stressful at that all. Won't, nobody will be physically <laughs> uncomfortable then. Uh, yeah, but uh, uh, Pete Hines of Bethesda is uh, on our. He's one of our board members, one of our core board members, and he uh-huh. was. He was. He's so dedicated to this cause. Yeah. He feels so very, very strongly about it. Uh, he's mm-hmm. been just a wonderful addition to our team. And, and he was like, no, 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 we're, we're doing this at Quaycon. This, this right. is a thing that has to, has to be there. And, and Robert Koo, uh, of, of Penny Arcade, uh, he is, has also just been a, a, such a, a huge, huge supporter. He's like, this needs to be at every convention. I don't care if they're competitors. I don't care. We need this resource everywhere because it's it's yeah. just too valuable for people. So they've they've both been really really great, and uh, we had so many people supporting us in various ways at PAX. Whether it's our volunteers, uh, our, our clinician volunteers, our non clinician volunteers, the folks who donated, uh, the mm-hmm. folks who come out to our panel, just all it, it's really really appreciated and, and so wonderful. Um, we we couldn't do it without all those folks. Uh, so now, if it is not a convention and folks want to help out, uh, what what can they do? Uh, the easiest way to help, and it sounds crass, it's terrible, but donate. Uh, go. No, it's not crass at I, all. My sister runs a nonprofit, okay. and I, I I I have her Amazon Smile hooked up yep. when I go to buy stuff. Yep, yeah. we have Amazon Smile. Uh, you can go to takethis.org/slash/donate. Uh, we have merchandise. You can buy a T-shirt. Uh, we have. I'm not sure if they're on. Probably not on the website yet because we just had them for the first time at uh, PAX East. Uh, deck boxes. Made- oh, yeah, those boxes. those boxes. They were really cool. They're yeah. so cool. And uh, you could buy one of those uh, or just make a straight-up donation. We are, we are uh, I like to say we are donation agnostic. We will take mm-hmm. any donation you got. You got a buck? We'll take a buck. 
Right. It all spends the same. It's all helpful. There is no donation too small. We really, really appreciate it. Um, also, if you want to contribute your story, uh, let you know. As we always say, it's dangerous to go alone. So we want folks to know that they're not alone. That there are other people out there who get it. Uh, so if you would like to contribute your story uh, about your uh, experience with mental health, it doesn't have to be you personally. It could be it, from the other perspective of of dealing with a loved one or family member or coworker um, mm-hmm. who had a mental health issue. Uh, that would be great. You can. Uh, there's a button right there on the website to contribute that way. Um, other ways, just like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, retweet our stuff. Uh, you know, get the word out through social media. That's a huge help because right. we can't help people if they don't know we uh, exist. Right. 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 Well, very good. Yay. Uh, while I have you here very quickly, because yes. I, I don't want to hold any time. So what are, what are you playing now? Because I haven't talked to you in, in forever. That's true. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, what been a I while. am playing right now, I'm still going through Persona Q. Of I, course you are. Of course I am. <laughs> because of course I am. I do it in little bites because, that get, first of all, that game is effing huge. It's like uh-huh. an 80-hour game. Right. Right. And then also it's just it's just hard because not only right. is is like are the is the enemy difficulty pretty high because it's an Etrian Odyssey spinoff. Um, but also and here's what I love about it. The each floor of the dungeon is a puzzle unto itself. Oh, OK. Like, uh-huh. like, for example, right now I'm on the floor of a dungeon where certain doors will only open if you have a torch with you. And so you have to think, but, but your torch only stays lit for 11 steps. So you have to figure out how to get it. And then you can light there's, there's bonfires all through the dungeon. So if you can light the bonfire, that's how you can relight your torch. So you have to figure out, okay, how do I get from this one? How do I get that one lit? You know, I only have 11 steps. Oh, okay. Here's a shortcut. Well, wait, if I can move this enemy out of the way, that takes off a step and stuff like that. Super cool. Right. Love it. Really mentally engaging. Uh, also, Dying Light, which is... Oh, okay. I, You know, it's funny because I that's such a... To me, the, that game has been so uneven. The people that love it, they really love yeah. it. Uh, and then the people that don't, they're just like, whatever. Well, I, okay. First of all, I love Dead Island, the first one. And that's the other yep. thing. Every person... Because, uh, you know, Jason McMaster, who my, my partner in crime on this mm-hmm. show, same way. Holly Green, she's on JTS with us. She's the same yeah, way. Yeah. And now you're the... Yeah. No, I lo- Okay. Let's be real. Dead Island, it has some problems, right? <laughs> it did. Like it's it did. it's too long and it's buggy and the plot. The, I mean, none of the characters are likable, uh, right? But I freaking love that game. The second one is complete shit. Don't play it. Um, uh-huh. I don't mean Dead Island Two. I mean Riptide. You mean the Riptide yeah, I mean or Riptide. the cell shaded one, right? No, actually, no. Okay, so the, that's Escape from Dead Island. Now, that's Escape from. That's right. That's also supposed to be terrible, it's right? Not. Good. <laughs> that's very. But, that's very. Uh, very. Very. <laughs> it's. Oh, it's again. Mis- mistakes were mistake, made. That's mistakes <laughs> were made. Choices. Bad choices were. Uh, okay, but uh, the there's there are aspects of it that I really like a lot. For one thing, uh-huh. it's hilarious. Yeah. It's it's very very funny. The plot is really good, and uh-huh. I actually really enjoy the visuals. Uh-huh. However, this there's a whole lot of eh, just whatever. Who cares? We'll just yeah. just stick a ladder there. Whatever. There's a lot of that going. Like, okay, here's yeah, an example. Yeah. Here's my favorite example. So the thing is, you end up on this island where um, the it, research was being done. The re, mm-hmm. the research that eventually led to the zombie outbreak, right? So. And this is where the researchers lived. They lived on this island. Their lab was on this island. So to get from the beach to the lab, keep in mind, people worked here. This was Mm -hmm. something they would have been doing every day. You got to go down a ladder through a rock tunnel, (laughs) up another (laughs) ladder through a cave system, and then you come out at the lab. I don't think OSHA would have approved that. Right. I gotta be honest with you. Like it's like this. No, just stop it. Just yeah. And there's tons of stuff like that in the game. There's just tons. Yeah. So like if okay, so if you can pick it up for like ten or twenty bucks, I think it's 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 worth that. Uh huh. It's and I found it entertaining. It's not good. Steam sale right. that shit is what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> yeah, but no. Absolutely. But dying right. dying light. Um. It's again. It's too long. 
there's there's two well no i take that back if you have gaming ocd like i do if you're the person who has to clear every single icon off the map if you got to clean out your quest log that's me the game's too long right because there's just not enough variety amongst all the it's like dragon age inquisition no see that i I wanted more inquisition except for the goddamn shards those shards are bullshit yeah they were stop it yeah Yeah. but uh but i love dragon age inquisition i thought it was amazing i did 110 hours in that and and when i got to the end i was like could i have more please i would like some i would like some more please (laughs) i think i think i ended up with like 90 yeah but, yeah. but but Dying Light just has two. But the story is really good. The parkour is fantastic. Like Assassin's uh-huh. Creed. Hello, please pay attention to the parkour in this game. Oh no shit! Yeah, yeah. my my friend and I were playing uh, Unity co-op, mm. and and it's just swearing. That's all yeah. you hear. If we if we were to twitch it, it would be God damn it, Arno! It would just repeatedly what? like it's over just, and over again for parkour to feel good. It has to be effortless. You have to forget yeah. that you're hitting buttons, right? Like you right, just—it right. should flow. I never got to that point in Assassin's Creed. Like never. Uh, uh, the previous Assassin's Creed, I kind of got that yeah. far, but not Unity. Yeah. Oh no, Unity. Please. Oh bless Unity. Well, Unity, I actually I felt pretty good about it. And actually, it said on the podcast, yeah, you know, it's not bad. I think it's good if you waited. And then I played co-op, and I was like, oh shit, I probably shouldn't have said yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Black Flag. Well, Black Flag was I had to stop playing because I. I loved Black Flag. I understand. This is this is not a this is not the fault of the game. This is the fault of me. Yeah. I couldn't leave Nassau until I finished everything. Oh yeah. 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 And and Richard Mitchell, the reviews editor from uh, Joystick, was like, Susan, you do, you don't need that chest with the ten reales. You really don't. Yeah, you do. Just stop it. I'm like, yes. Is there is it an icon on the map? Then yep. I must find it. And so by the time I got I got my boat. <laughs> I was done. I'm like, okay, right. I just want to get to, okay, I have the boat now. Thank you. I'm done. And I haven't picked it up since. You know, it's funny because that game I played, that was like the first real game I played with remote play. And mm-hmm. the fact that I could just like get chess and stuff while watching TV totally transformed See, the way that's what, that I play games. That's what Alexander Slowinski did. He was the news director from Joystick. That's how yep. he played it. Like, he Yeah, would, absolutely. Yeah, he would take his Vita and at mm-hmm. at night, he would sit there and he'd like, oh, I'd watch TV. Yep. Yeah. Find find the chest of the ten realities and, and whatever, and that's how he did it. So that when he was playing it, he was playing it exactly. And, exactly. and the, the thing is about that game, the playing it, playing it part, playing it in quotes. That was the shittiest part. Yeah. The best part was just sailing around and and getting in ship battles. See, that's what I'm. That's what I was told, and I never got to that point because I was too burnt out yeah. on on getting the the freaking shanties and oh i love them i actually know i'm I'm sad i i'm ashamed to admit this but i actually i looked i I started learning how to play them on my ukulele like i know how to play i know how to play um what would you do with a drunken sailor that's great (laughs) my wife is so sick of that song it's it's so funny you mentioned that though because just this morning i was like i really want to play dishonored it just like came into my head like poof you should be playing Dishonored right now. Like, oh, really? Okay. Well, don't mind if I do. Maybe, maybe I'll do that then. Yeah. God, I love that game. Yeah. See, that was a game for me that I remember doing it all stealth, and then I got enough points I could do combat, and I started doing the combat, and I was like... Ew. I, yeah. 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 Yeah, and I understand that criticism of that game, because people are like, it's not really optional. Because the right. it, it's just it's not as fun and you get the crappy ending and it's it's really it's really just a stealth game. Uh, right. So But you get to the point where you you know, you're like, Well, I gotta put skills in something and then if I put skills in it I might as well use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean I t- and I totally understand that criticism and I think that's a legitimate criticism. For me, the world it cr- first of all, I love poofing in behind somebody yeah, and then that's splitting their throat. That yeah. is the greatest thing. Also Calling Plague of Rats. Yeah, that was that was that was awesome. Amazing! Too. It's just the greatest. So and that and the, so that with the visuals, which I loved, and the the world that they created. Yeah, I I was like, I'm in. Well, don't get me wrong. Like when I played it, I remember thinking, like, this is a really good first game. Yes. Yes. And I, I really want them to make another yes. one because I would like to see what they do, you know, with what they've learned from making. Yeah, this. completely agree completely agree like oh man the second one's gonna be banging yeah yeah so so i mean it was you know i was in i was like yeah absolutely it's just that you know it's a first game and first games are tough yeah Uh, but i think even as a first game it's it's strong 
It, it is. It's absolutely strong. Even when you, even when you, you kind of make that concession for it. It's just that there was some. To me, there was some kind of first gaminess to it. Like yeah, when you play enough sure, games, sure. you, yeah. you know, you kind of pick up on that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I was done with it. I was like, yeah, absolutely, I want to play more of this. But you know what? I tell you what. The and this is probably why I was thinking about why this came into my brain. My, my subconscious gamer brain just shot it in there. Um, I, I, I spent uh, a lot of time at PAX uh, chatting with Bioware folks uh, about mm-hmm. Inquisition. And the yeah. one, you, you know that whole, that whole time in Valroyo when you're playing the yeah. great game? Uh-huh. I didn't enjoy it. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. I, I, I never felt... I was like, this is just a waste of my time. I, I saw what it was going for, and yeah. I appreciated that, but I didn't enjoy it. I never felt like I was doing it right. I Exactly. I, yeah. And then I think that what came to me this morning was that party in Dishonored where you have yes. to figure out Yes. That's what I wanted from Val Royale. Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. I thought the party in Dishonored was fantastic. I spent so much time like making it so that okay, I didn't get in a fight. Yep. Nobody knew where yep. I was. And, but yeah, Val Royale was just like, okay, what, who do I have to talk to? I got to figure out. I got to stand here on the balcony and listen to people. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's 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 why Dishonored popped into my brain today. I think because I've been mulling this over and like, no, that was what that Val Royale thing should have been because it was it was wonderfully contained and it yeah. you felt the danger the entire time. Right. Right. But you all, it was, it was, it was so, it was just so well done. Like the atmosphere was perfect. Your, mi- your mission was, was the perfect size. Love it. Right. Right. Uh, I gotta tell you, you're pretty good about talking about these games. You might have a career in this. I should look into that. Should <laughs> I should maybe investigate that. You should absolutely. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe yeah. someplace will let me write for them for free for exposure. You, you know what? They, they probably wouldn't. You'd be glad to have <laughs> I it. I would. Yeah. You'd be, you'd be lucky to have yeah. it. Absolutely. Uh, well, Susan, as always, it is such a delight to to talk to you, and uh, I'm very um, uh, very happy for uh, for uh, what you've been doing, and then also um, your success with the uh, with the new gig, which starts has it started? Or you start? I start starts Monday. Monday. Yeah. Okay. So you uh, you certainly know how to take a vacation. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I know. <laughs> I know. It's so so bad. Uh, <laughs> they actually they wanted me to start a little earlier. I'm like, I no packs, yeah, no. And then I'm taking some time after packs, so well, that's I good. get like four days. But yeah, uh, yeah and uh, I'm just really excited to uh, uh, be working with Ludwig again. Yeah, absolutely. We're back in our, yeah. our roles because we work yep. we work so well together, and we had so many plans that we never got to see through. So the mm-hmm. opportunity to to do that again and to do that with him, especially, is I'm so excited. I'm super super excited, and I actually uh, I got to meet my team in person. Oh, good. Because um, I'll be staying here in Durham, right? But the the rest of the team that I'll be working with is in uh, San Francisco, and I got to meet them. And uh, there's some really really smart, passionate. Uh, talented people, so I'm I'm looking forward to doing really really cool things with them. Well, good, very good. So uh, best of luck with that. Thank I know you. that uh, I was like, okay, I got to add that to the feed. <laughs> yep. uh, turn the ad block off. All right, we are ready to go. Woo-hoo. And then I just sit there staring at the screen, drumming my finger. <laughs> <It's good. laughs> Is it F five? F five? F five? Nope. Nope. Not yet. Not yet no. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. That's soon, exactly. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining. And of course, you know you're welcome anytime you want. I know you you've got a full plate, uh, and you have you do your own podcasts and stuff, or at least you had with Joystick. I can yeah. only assume that they're they're gonna you're gonna have a similar thing. But you're welcome on this show. You're welcome on the other show. You you know what? Anytime. You just call me okay. in the middle of the day. Yeah, hey, we'll just, I want to talk we'll about rap. things. Let me on your show. <laughs> That's you know you know what uh, that that is actually just I do that in reverse that's that's the voice I use when I ask people <laughs> to be on the show. Uh, so uh, yeah, so thank you so much. And again, uh, take this dot org yeah. if you want to help out or donate. Uh, please check them out if you have your own story. Uh, please share it. And if you're uh, in any way uh, thinking that maybe some of this stuff might apply to you, please you know read other people's stories. Talk to somebody. Uh, talk to your doctor. Talk to your friend. Talk to your pastor. Talk to me. I'm always available. I've told people this before. Uh, Twitter at Mr. Binky. You know, if you need to to chat about something, um, you know, I'm an open book. I'm more than happy to listen. Yeah, I want to. I want to really stress that last point because a lot of folks think, well, how can I 
you know, it's a stranger. What I'm a, I'm a stranger. What possible good can I do? Uh, you can literally save someone's life right. by showing compassion and empathy at the right time. Absolutely. You know, just a kind word from a stranger just on Twitter can literally save a person's life. Right. So don't underestimate the value of being an empathetic human being online. Right. Yeah. If anything, yeah, just give that a shot. Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice if, if more people gave it a shot. That'd be cool. Absolutely. That wouldn't suck. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, well, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for myself and for Susan, this has been the uh, Quarter of Three Games podcast for the first week of March. Uh, we thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to spending some more time with you next week. Uh, so for all of us here, good night and have a good evening. It doesn't take that much imagination in any given real-life situation to integrate a Muppet for the real life could be much, much more of a